In 1986, nine-year-old Anthonette Cayadito vanished from her home in Gallup, New Mexico, in the middle of the night, never to be heard from again. Over the course of the years, a startling 911 call and a possible sighting of Anthonette have not only added to the mystery of her disappearance, but has given more questions than answers. This is the story of Anthonette Cayadito. Hey guys, this is Ash. This is Shiashi. This is Maggie. And you're listening to We Are Resilient. Before we get started today, I just want to say that we're really excited to be included in Apple Podcasts Women's History Month's collection, celebrating the past and present legacy of self-identifying women. The collection has essential conversations for and by women while centering and celebrating intersectionality. We're grateful to be included in the collection and we hope you enjoy the conversation offered here today. So guys, how do you feel? I think that's exciting that we're featured on Apple Podcasts this month. I think that it's a tremendous honor. What do you guys think? I mean, I think it's pretty cool that they reached out to us and wanted to feature us as one of the Spotlight Podcasts. I think it just shows that we are doing what we set out to do by getting these women's names out there because people are listening. Yeah, and I hope this is an opportunity to get our podcast out there, not not for our benefit, not for me, Shashi and Maggie, but just so that people hear these stories and they hear about these Indigenous women and the things that they and their families are going through and how important they are to be heard. So if you're a first time, if you're a first time listener, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> oh my God, we're like 60 episodes in and I, I can still barely keep it together. So. <laughs> but seriously, if you guys are listening to this for the first time, we don't claim to be comedians or hard-hitting investigative journalists. We just simply want to tell you these stories because the stories of our stolen sisters so often go ignored. So we're here to share their stories as Indigenous women about Indigenous women. As I've stated before, when one of our Indigenous sisters go missing, we lose not just who they were as a person, but we lose everything about them that they learned and they carried and they taught and they gave of their traditions and their cultures to their tribe. All right, without further ado, I'm going to hand this over to Ash, who will be covering today's story. What do you have for us? So today I'm going to tell this story, um, and I think you may have heard a little bit about her, Shashi. It's an old case from the 1980s, Antoinette Cayadito, and a quick Google search of her name, and it will pull up numerous articles and TV shows, including the show Unsolved Mysteries, who have all covered her story. So I am vaguely familiar with this one. I heard it covered on a podcast a while ago. So um, I'm interested to hear what you have for us. In 1987, Antoinette Cayadito was a nine-year-old little girl. Antoinette was born on December 25th, 1976 to Penny Cayadito, who was Navajo, and Anthony Montoya, who was Hispanic and Italian. She lived in Gallup, New Mexico with her two younger sisters, Wendy and Sadie. Her parents separated and Penny was a single mom raising her girls in an apartment. Penny had a lot of help from Antoinette, you know, with her being the oldest and being the big sister, who at six years old was had already started cooking for her sisters, helping with the laundry, and of course, helped babysitting her younger sisters. At six years old? Yeah, at six years old. She was already cooking and babysitting her younger sisters? That's what the news, yeah, the news article stated that. She was just a helpful little girl. Like, she was just one of those kids that was very, 
mature for her age, I guess. Like she mature for her age, but she's only six. You know, that makes me sad. That's a lot of responsibility to put on a six year old. Yeah, that is a lot of responsibility for a six year old. Uh, Maybe it's the difference between boys and girls, but I can't imagine my six year old boys watching or babysitting another child. Her family nicknamed her Squirrel for her gentle and kind spirit. She was just a genuine, good hearted little girl. She loved music and especially Michael Jackson. Her favorite color was purple and she enjoyed her Bible studies. She excelled in school as an above average student as a fourth grade student at Lincoln Elementary School. For being so young, she just sounds like she had to grow up fast. Yeah. On the night of April 6, 1986, Penny reported to the police that she went out to a local bar with friends for a night out. She left her three girls home with a babysitter at their apartment. Penny got home probably around midnight that night, and she reported when she got home, all three girls were already asleep in their bed. So Penny fell asleep herself sometime before 3 o'clock a.m., and this is according to newspaper reports at the time of the incident. When Penny woke up the next morning around 7 a.m. to take the girls to Bible study, Antoinette was not in her bed. Only her younger sisters were there in their beds. So she thought, well, maybe Antoinette got up and is already in the living room. She's in the bathroom. She's somewhere. So she gets up, calls for her, looks for her, hears nothing. Penny is frantically looking everywhere. So she starts asking neighbors if they saw or heard her or seen or heard anything. So then she minute reports Antoinette missing. She calls the police. An intense search begins with neighbors and the police. I can't imagine waking up and not knowing where one of my kids was. Everyone is looking for her, but nothing. There are no traces of nine-year-old Antoinette. So this next part, I'm a little uncertain if it takes place immediately as they're looking for Antoinette or if it was five years later. Because in most of the articles I read, they all stated it was five years later. Um, They interviewed the little sisters. Whoa, 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 wait. They interviewed the sisters five years later? So, of course, they asked at the incident. Well, I should hope so. But in a lot of news sources, it stated five years later is when the oldest of the two younger sisters, Wendy, told police she woke up sometime at night and heard a knocking on the door. She heard it, but went back to sleep because Antoinette got up to go see who was at the door. She heard the person at the door say it was their uncle, but Antoinette never came back to bed. And I've read a couple accounts where Wendy said the man at the door identified himself as Uncle Joe. Now, they do have an Uncle Uncle Joe. Joe. Uncle Joe. Yes, they do have an Uncle Joe. So they went directly to the girl's uncle's house, but he was quickly ruled out and not suspected. And the reason it was five years later was because Wendy thought she would get in trouble or that no one would believe her. Oh, that poor thing. Holding on to that for five years. Uh, But I still am a little confused, though, about the timeline. She was just a little girl at the time. Well, I'm confused because why would she get in trouble if it was Uncle Joe? I'm confused about the relationship there of why she thinks she would be in trouble saying that Antoinette went with Uncle Joe. Yeah, I'm with you, Shiashi. It seems like if the girls really did hear her say that it was Uncle Joe at the door, that's something that they would tell right away, especially if it was someone familiar, unless Uncle Joe was someone who was concerning. Yeah, I don't I don't know. But when uh, Antoinette was nine, and I think Wendy, Wendy had to have been five or six. Around that age, I'm not I'm not certain. After about a year after Antoinette had went missing, the Gallup police got a weird 911 phone call. 
Oh my God, yes, I remember this. And it was the voice of a young girl who tells them her name was Antoinette and she was in Albuquerque scared and didn't want to be there. She was being held against her will. Then a male voice can be heard in the background and says, who said you could use the phone? And you hear scuffling and a little girl scream and then the phone hangs up. And this was before 911 calls could be traced. Okay, I got it pulled up. You ready? It it really hurts my heart because that child just sounds so scared. That recording is so hard to listen to because you can tell that she is genuinely asking for help. Two things noted in the articles that I read. And the first is that Penny listened to the phone calls and she believed it was Antoinette on the call, but she did not recognize the man's voice. Two, her name, the little girl on the phone, said the last name in the correct pronunciation, Gaidito. But see, the police were unclear if the call was a prank call or if it really was Antoinette. Those are some important factors there. One, the mom recognizing her own daughter's voice. I feel like as a mother, you would recognize your kid's voice. And two, the the correct pronunciation of the name. So I think that's a big factor there that this really could be Antoinette. I mean, whether it was a prank call or not, the kid on the line is clearly scared. This obviously needs to be looked into. I agree 100%. But like I said, I didn't see any reports of any actions that were taken to look into Antoinette in the Albuquerque area. And the reason they think it was a hoax was because the 911 call went to the Gallup 911 dispatch and not the Albuquerque 911 dispatch. Again, like Maggie said, prank or not, it's clearly a child in distress. And also, if Antoinette was kidnapped at nine years old and being as scared as she sounded, she could have just been guessing where she thought she may be. Maybe she just got the town wrong because she was scared she was calling for help. So why wouldn't they investigate that? Yeah, I mean, my nine-year-old barely knows what town we're in when we're driving somewhere locally. So how could you expect a nine-year-old who was kidnapped to know exactly where she was? I just feel like if you get a phone call like that, look into it. This just sounds really neglectful on the police department for not following through just to make sure it was a prank and not some innocent child trying to call for help. Yeah. So now four years go by. Let's fast forward four years to 1990 and another lead emerges because up until this point, other than the 911 call, there's just been nothing. The family's still looking for her, but they just don't have any leads. Uh, A waitress was working at a restaurant in Carson City, Nevada, when she saw a girl who was about the age of a young teenager and she looked like she was in distress, like something just looked off about her. She appeared to be very nervous. The waitress said the girl kept dropping her fork and every time she went down to pick the pick it up for the girl, the little girl would grab her hand and squeeze it. She was there with a couple who was described as looking unkempt and dirty. After the three left, she found a note under the girl's plate that read, help me, call police. And so after she called the police to report it, they were already gone. But she did say that she thinks the girl did resemble Antoinette. But just like the phone call, this lead went nowhere. And it was unclear if the nervous girl really was Antoinette. So nothing ever came of it. But whether it was Antoinette or not, a young girl was clearly asking for help. So I I don't understand 
why it's not being taken seriously and why there's no follow-up or follow-through on these reports. It doesn't make any sense to me. I'm, uh, it's actually making me pretty angry. What kind of car were they in? What time did they leave? Like anything could have helped. Literally do something. Let's just make sure that this little girl gets help. She was clearly seeking help. Right. So there are a few theories in this case. Um, Oh, Lord. The only significant one was the uncle. But as stated earlier, he was looked into and ruled out quickly and he was never named a suspect. Okay, this is still confusing. Joe is a real person. So it was either him or someone claiming to be Uncle Joe at the door. I guess my confusion is, would it have been a stranger if there wasn't any screaming or anything to alert anybody? Yeah, they do have an uncle named Joe. And so when the kidnappers or whoever came to the door identified himself as Uncle Joe. So other than that, the police had no other leads. So it seems to me that someone came to their apartment posing as their uncle. And when she opened the door, they took her kidnapped by a stranger, and she was just gone. She was gone in an instant, just like that. How would someone know that she would respond and answer to an Uncle Joe? We're missing some details here. To me, it sounds like someone knew that they know Uncle Joe. So if they knocked on the door and said, it's Uncle Joe, that someone's going to answer the door, whether it be Antoinette, her little sisters, or the mom, because the mom was there at that point. It also seems really weird to me that someone might have known that the kids were there unattended or that one of the kids would answer the door. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's so strange. It, it's yeah. this, uh, this story almost seems unreal that this would have happened. But if I didn't read it from news articles, you know, I wouldn't believe it either. Three years after Antoinette's disappearance, the girl's aunt, Louisa, also vanished. It was rumored that her disappearance was somehow connected to Antoinette's, but nothing concrete has ever tied the two together. If nothing ever tied them together, why do they believe it was connected? I think it was just the people in the town were just rumored that, you know, maybe Louisa took her and now she's on the run. I don't know. It was just some rumors that were going around at the time. Uh, Wendy, the only witness to her sister's disappearance, and this was the one who woke up in the middle of the night when Antoinette got up to go answer the door. She has suffered the most with losing her sister. In her teen and young adult years, she turned to drugs and alcohol and crime as a way to avoid thinking about her childhood Aww. trauma, which this is very dramatic. Wendy um, and her mother could barely talk about Antoinette without crying, and they would begin drinking and getting high. She described it as how they dealt with the pain. And she stated in one article that, quote, that is how they coped with the pain, to numb it. Not to forget about it, but to put it on a shelf. She spiraled for years before she finally turned her life around back in 2007. She went to rehab. She'd had kids and lost custody, but she gained custody back of her kids. And she moved to Bakersfield, California. And now she has a family of her own and she's thriving and making a happy life for herself to honor her sister's life. So I think that's very admirable for her sister to go through such a traumatic upbringing with losing your sister like that and not knowing and then being able to pull yourself out of that and, and to be thriving. And like you said earlier, perhaps it was someone who knew their family, especially if the man at the door identified himself as Uncle Joe and the girls did have an Uncle Joe. In a couple of accounts, it was one man and in another, it was two men at the door who grabbed internet. Neighbors did report seeing an older model brown truck or van with New Mexico license plate outside Antoinette's apartment sometime between 6.30 a.m. and 7 o'clock a.m. 
they did see a man get out of the truck and walk towards the apartment complex, but no leads. Antoinette's mom, Penny, passed away in 1991. She passed away not ever knowing what happened to her baby girl, Antoinette. Or did she? Wait, what? I thought you were wrapping this up. I have read other sources that stated Penny may not have revealed all the information she knew to police. Shut your face. Yeah, Penny was described as an alcoholic and perhaps she didn't know what fully happened that night. Did the girls really have a babysitter while she went out with her friends? I'm sorry. I was just about to ask that because I completely forgot about that part of the story. Where was the babysitter? Yeah, it really doesn't make any sense that the young girls would get up to answer the door if there was a babysitter or an adult there watching them. Yeah. Yeah. It had been stated that she also used drugs and was a sex worker. And could this be why men were knocking at the door during the night? Now, I personally hope these allegations and rumors are not true. Because no parent should go through this or have a hand in, in anything like this. Um, mm-hmm. But also the question remains, with this: was this case taken seriously at the time? It was the 1980s, and this was a missing Indigenous girl. So when the 911 call came in, Antoinette was still reported as a missing person, right? Yes, she was. And then they were automatically like, oh, well, this... This is a prank. This is a joke. Yeah, so instead of actually taking the call seriously and looking for Anthonette, they just write it off as a hoax. This could be a hoax because she says she's in Albuquerque, but if she's in Albuquerque, why did it come to the Gallup 911 dispatch? I think that was kind of like, is someone just playing a prank on us? But irregardless, look into it and rule it as as a prank, as a hoax off your finding. Well, considering the situation, she was also a scared little nine-year-old girl who probably just got the location wrong. And the fact that authorities would just brush this off as a hoax is infuriating and frustrating and so, so careless. Yeah. But I'll be honest, I am still stuck on this whole babysitter thing because you haven't mentioned the police talking to a babysitter, anybody interviewing the babysitter, who the babysitter was, what time did they leave? There's a lot of unanswered questions here. Right. And the in in the articles that I read, um, it just the mom just said that she left the girls with the babysitter and she came home around midnight. So we can assume the babysitter left at that point. I don't know. Or if Antoinette was already babysitting her sisters, was she the babysitter, you know? And I don't know that I, I never seen anything that stated that, but I guess where I'm getting at is if all three kids were asleep when the mom came home, then this person, whoever it may be, came to the door when Penny was there. So why would Antoinette be the one to open the door if her mom was home? I don't know. This is confusing. Why didn't she just ask her mom? Okay, see the other part of the frustration here is that we could just we could speculate all day. But the articles and information we have here is very, very vague on the details. It doesn't make any sense. Because I feel like when I was nine years old and somebody was knocking at our front door in the middle of the night, I would be scared. I wouldn't want to answer the door. Yeah, even during the day. I mean, you have to think about the times back then, too. I mean, in the 1990s, I don't ever remember someone random just coming and knocking on our door. And if anyone knocked on the door, I probably would have ran to my room and expected my mom or dad to answer the door. Right. I mean, even now in my 30s, if someone comes to the door, I check the door camera. And if I don't know who it is, I don't answer it. I mean, my nine-year-old now... 
if my boyfriend who practically lives with us is knocking on the door, he will literally scream as loud as he can. Who is it before he even opens it? With my kids, I have a tiny list of who they can and can't open the door for. So no offense, but if you ain't on the list, you you ain't getting in. So today, Antoinette would be around 45 years old. So she's been missing for 36 years. What if she is being held captive for all these years and she has tried to reach out for help and no one has found her yet? Like, was this a case of human trafficking or was she a victim of homicide? What happened to her? Like you said, we do know that there is an Antoinette Caidito, but where did she go? What happened? Uh, The police do believe Antoinette is likely to cease because there has never been any more leads, evidence, or a body. But I mean, who is looking for her after all this time? It's been 36 years. Yeah, she's a woman now. Sadie, who was the younger of the two sisters, uh, they did an article back in 2022 last summer. I'm sorry, not an article. They did an interview and she stated that the hardest part about Antoinette's disappearance is not knowing what happened, where she is and not getting closure. And she has a message for her sister that she said in an interview with KOAT Action News 7. And she said, and I quote, she has a family that loves her. She has sisters and we haven't given up. We all wonder and often think about Antoinette and what she's doing. Does she have kids? And what kind of life is she living? And so that's what her sister said. She's still holding on to hope. And the family hopes they can have closure one day. They can have answers. And since there haven't been any more leads or phone calls for now, Antoinette is still listed as a missing person and her case remains open. You know what's crazy, though? I can believe that when this happened, that she could still be out there and maybe had to create a new identity. I mean, if she called for help and people didn't go looking for her, maybe she had to reinvent herself and survived whatever happened to her. By all accounts, it sounds like she was a really resilient little girl. I really hope more people do the Ancestry and 23andMe DNA tests because I really think more cases will be solved and more people will find their truth. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. Have you guys done 23andMe or Ancestry? No, because it's expensive and I'm cheap. Oh, so you're not worried that the government's going to track you by using your DNA? Shiashi. We're on the internet every second of the day and you have a phone in your hand that literally recognizes your face. No, I'm not worried. (laughs) You don't think that they're listening to us now? (laughs) Well, that's a legitimate reason I've heard that people don't do it because they think the government's going to track you. You know, and me, I'm like, I got a cell phone, my FBI agent, uh, I call him Steve. You know, the one who's in the phone watching everything you do. Um, So shout out to Steve. (laughs) But on a serious note, the 23andMe DNA testing is a really good idea because I've seen in the news where it's helped solve a lot of cases. But, you know, that would probably actually be a deterrent for, you know, some some not good people out there. You know, Maggie has a good point, though. We don't know where she's at. She could very well be out there somewhere having to have to adapt and adjust to whatever happened, whatever the circumstances were that led her to being kidnapped from her family. So it's a very real possibility she could still be out there. Yeah, I hope that she's happy. I just hope nothing bad happened to her at any point. It's it's just this is a really sad story and it's. There's a lot of news articles on her, though. So if you have any information about Antoinette Guy Dito, call 1-800-THE-LOST or Gallup Police Department Missing Persons Unit at 1-505-863-9365.
Thank you for listening to We Are Resilient. For links to information found for this episode, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at We Are Resilient Podcast. Send us an email at weareresilientpod at gmail.com or visit us at www.war-podcast.com.